show about spiritual lifestyle and personal evolution. I'm an evolutionary astrologer, a clairvoyant, and a thought leader, and I started this podcast to have eclectic and impactful conversations about astrology, as well as all things spiritual and personal development. On this episode, we welcome back tarot teacher, friend, and astrologer Chris Marmalejo of The Red Read, who last joined us about the lover's card and the tarot. And in this episode, we discuss theories on how divination works, being in right relationship with divination, and a concept, the metamorphic mind, how the mind is altered by divinatory practice. I've been pulling cards since I was 19 with Liz Green's The Mythic Tarot but rarely have read for others with tarot or considered that a system I was adept in. For some time, I've been aware that I wanted to understand tarot more as a comprehensive system and to gain my own gnosis and voice within it, similar to how I once had a transformation with astrology, where I went from relying on interpretations in books and grasping pieces of the chart here and there to fully being able to look at any given astrological chart and interpret it in my own being to feel the system of astrology living inside of me in this rooted way that could always keep growing new branches. That's the kind of grounding I was looking for with tarot. I really appreciate Chris's transmission field as a tarot reader and teacher and how he synthesizes tarot and astrology. I recently took his threshold tarot class and felt like it gave me the boost to be able to deepen into tarot in the ways I had long wanted. So much so, I even just recently included tarot associations in the last forecast I shared with you all. I have now developed a mostly daily tarot practice and have been able to find moments for divination when faced with impasses or say something triggers or activates me and I want to divine on what is seeking to be integrated through that trigger or activation. Or I've had a particularly profound day and I pull some reflection cards at the end of the night to support deeper reflection and contemplation. So this has become a really rich newer aspect of my daily life. Chris's relationship and transmission of the tarot has truly sparked me. Christopher is an astrologer, tarot teacher, and counselor. His queer and indigenous identity arises from the Serrano land as he works with community to facilitate profound realization, clarity, and renewed meaning. He offers classes and consultations which interweave astrology, tarot, myth, and meaning-making. His classes are a remembering of ritual that has been lost to histories of imperialism, colonialism, and slavery. By holding out a hand, Christopher calms the spirit as clients and students dive deep into the waters and realms of consciousness. Whether in the communal or personal, he facilitates healing states to explore transformative emotions, the creative imagination, and the deepest sources of faith. He seeks to cultivate a classroom of liberatory possibility as it is elevated into a temple of ritual for communal soul retrieval. The next Threshold Tarot course begins January 2022, and I'll leave the link for this amazing opportunity in the notes. Here's our conversation. everyone. I'm here with Chris Marmalejo of The Red Read again, and I'm so excited to have this conversation with you about divination. And this is in um, kind of the immediate, like I just completed your threshold tarot course. 
And I had a huge, like a massive experience. Um, I began this practice, you know, I've been pulling cards since I was 19, but up until this time, I felt like I did not understand tarot as a system. And so I was just kind of, I would put out the, um, the spreads that maybe I was suggested, but I wouldn't necessarily know how to like read the cards together, just like do these deeper layers. And so I had been waiting for, you know, a perfect like teacher, perfect educational experience to arise. And I just recognized this when I saw it (laughs) and it was, um, your material is so deep, uh, so transportive. Um, and I began the practice of like pulling like a daily card and experiencing like a moment in the day where a light bulb goes off and I'm like, it's the card, you know? And so it was deepening my relationship with both the tarot and with reality. Um, and I was having these pulls that were just like really moving me, um, at such a deep level that it's, it's kind of shaking my capacity to even convey like how deep this class and how deep uh, this experience was and how much it touched me. So I think that anyone, you know, tuning into your teachings or your reads um, can get a sense of just how like inviting and how like contagious your enthusiasm and like gnosis and like fun occultism is like you go really deep and you keep it fun. So I love that. Um, and I wanted to talk about divination today with you. And I guess before I keep, you know, going on, (laughs) I'll just, uh, ask you to share, um, a little bit about yourself, um, about your course, um, and what brought you to tarot and to divination. Well, thank you so much for having me back on here. It is a big honor because I so respect your divinatory like capacity, like you as a prophet um, and your presence in the class, like totally elevated the experience of the class. And I always say this as like to my students or just to anything I'm offering that it requires the, the receiving of the invitation. Like if I'm presenting an ace of cups or any ace or what have you, like we have to go and accept that and like take root in us. And so there is um, how you showed up as well that I think is, is so fulfilling as an educator because it's like, I, I know it. Like, you know what I mean? There's a certain promise inherent that um, should the seed take, like, like as you were saying, like, it's just like, I'm blown away because um, that's sort of my relationship with the tarot and with divination, as well as these moments of... <laughs> of, of numinousness, like, you know, that come over you and that, that are electrifying and that are, that light you up. Um, and so yes, like, hello everyone. Again, I'm Chris of the red reed and it is the red reed because my dividend, this practice is divinatory rather than, um, fortune telling, right. Rather than like, is my ex going to come back or what have you? It is, um, a deepening into a space of indigenous wisdom and indigenous sort of reclamation, but in a in a way that is modern and is applied to analyzing like systems of power, like overcoming the separation of mind, body, and spirit by colonization. Um, And I use the cards as honestly a modern day codices, like for me, like they, and I have certain decks that connect with like my ancestry and with various cultural practices and seeing the overlap between them um, has been, has been a really healing practice and in a way that has deep, in my relationship to myself, to my guides, to 
the collective sort of field. Um, and, and my course, my course is a course in, in divination, really. It's really opening the divinatory channel. You know, it is learning tarot. It's giving that as the tool, like that's the vehicle. Um, and I love the structure of tarot. I, I, I love the structure of tarot. Um, we, I go, we go over the astrological associations and what have you. We work out spreads, we work out all of the sort of traditional skills, but the class itself is a field. Like we open up like a collective divinatory space and it's, um, <laughs> I just think of like, rather than one witch doing a spell, right? Like we get all of our energy in and we sort of like synchronize together. Um, and I think there's like a real powerful space of transformation that is open in the course. Um, and so again, it's, it was an honor. It's been an honor to have, to have you in community and in the course. Yeah, the course was definitely a field because I noticed that the cards that we were working with any given week were also alive in my life. So I felt like I was like on this ride, you know, and um, you started the class on a new moon, too. So I got to see that correlation. And that was like really um, fruitful and like fertile in my life. Um, And I do I really felt that where it's like we were practicing divination and tarot was a tool for that. And it expanded my relationship with both tarot and divination because as an astrologer looking at future transits, I do lightly predict trends, like not very concrete events, but I'll predict kind of the energy or the feel. Um, though I do spend a lot of time with just the current moment astrologically and not a ton of like way out far into the future Mm -hmm. forecasting, but this was something where, um, connecting with the tarot connected me with the capacity to anticipate what was going to happen in a day in a way that I can't do with astrology, Mm -hmm. um, at least at this moment. Mm -hmm. Um, and also (laughs) to be kind of like enchanted by the cards, um, to feel them come alive and to be kind of shook over and over again. (laughs) And kind of like, you know, I'm, already a person who has magical experiences every day. I have dreams sometimes that come true, like Mm -hmm. my sleeping dreams, the images from them will appear in my waking life. Mm -hmm. And so it's, I remember when this first started happening, each little incident of magic was shocking because it Mm -hmm. was, um, opening me to this realization, this epiphany that magic is real, that we live in an enchanted and sold like animated universe. Right. Yes, yes. And so to have a daily divination practice or like connect with the tarot at this deeper level, I'm like shook at another octave. <laughs> and that's why <laughs> I wasn't like totally anticipating that, you know? Well, that's brilliant. Uh, that's amazing. That's a great gift. Um, I'm glad like that. Wow. That is the divinatory space, I think. And what I offer in the course is not just tarot, but how to make it a practice, like how to make it daily in a sense. And it has been grounding for me, um, making this a daily practice, like through major upheavals, through major tower and moon periods, through major like journeying into the underworld where I didn't realize that that was happening before having a total divination where I just felt my life falling apart, where I felt like a shadow all around me. Um, and you know, I have a, I'm, I have a Scorpio stellium. So there's like cyclical sort of identity crisis or like soul excavations and working with the cards has provided me this way to synchronize or like at least gaining a, a scope of my interior soul process, like my interiority and in, in, enlarge in it and enliven it. 
um, and also communicate with respect to, to the cards, as you were saying, them having animacy, like I, the cosmological worldview under which I operate is that all things are animate, that their divine essence infuses into all things. And so by working with the cards on a daily level, I, I picture the course as well. And like reading cards and divination and like the oracular space is like the 2020 Justin Timberlake album cover, you know, and he had like, <laughs> like there's the clicking, you know, and there's like, okay, how does this look now? And how does that like, and there's like this refining of a vision or there's this um, tuning the eye, if you will, to this numinous moment, to these subtle threads, right. That can be picked up on that can be perceived when we um, challenge the rational and logical mind on a repeated level and strengthen the intuitive mind and strengthen the intuitive sight and them working together, you know, because at the same time, the cards teaching the structure, the numerology, the association, the order, the, the system of it strengthens our logical mind. You know, it, it, they, they work together. Um, but there does need to be like a strength to the intuitive part. <laughs> That's so beautiful. This was kind of giving me a vision, like as you're describing, you know, the tower and the moon, those two cards, I feel like a couple months ago, if you had just said that I wouldn't like, <laughs> it wouldn't like shake me in this certain way. And now I'm like, well, yeah, the tower, cause I have this like embodied experience of it. And so, um, maybe I'll share like a little bit of like what the tower and moon mean to me and just yeah. hear, like, have you go. But, um, I feel like the tower is like these moments where our ego structures come down all of a sudden. So it's like this, crisis and maybe also like an external upheaval that like mm. shakes us internally. <laughs> um, and the moon is like when we're in this liminal space, um, where it's like, we almost feel like we're going crazy or something, or we're like just about to exit or like leave some kind of hell realm, but we don't know like where we're going or what's going to happen. So there's that sense of confusion, but also like something is brewing or something is coming. I guess, how would you Absolutely. Exactly. I, well, in the moon, as you're speaking, like, I think a good way is like the shadow of the unknown in the moon. And like, that's like the moon can represent a lot of, a lot of that where we want to move forward, but the faith that we need to walk within, um, is challenged in order to move into some new space, into some dark, like uncarved space. There's an element of soul evolution in the moon card. There's a moment of like some deep, recess summoning very very tied to like pluto very tied to yes the tower um <laughs> the tower you know and i've been enjoying like i cannot i'm so happy to be in your course as well because i'm reading the pluto book right like the pluto bible and i can't believe i am just now um and so there's the notion of like the cataclysmic evolutionary growth versus the slow smooth continual one and and i feel like the tower is such an image of the unconscious um, evolutionary sort of impulse meeting against like these, these systems of resistance that we built or that are unconscious. And at some point they give, right? At some point it looks like this big upheaval that may seem external or extraneous to us, but in some way we're resonating with on an internal level, like calling it to us to from giving away an agency or from an unwillingness to like fully um, take accountability over our growth process over doing that moon work, you know, over like oh. taking that, taking that path. Yeah. Thank you for like expanding those. And I feel like when you were describing, you know, these moments in your life where 
it just looked like things were falling apart, but that's where you found grounding with divination. I was like literally seeing in my mind's eye, this like underground, like cave and like almost these like lava inscriptions of symbols on the wall, like appearing, like just like light in the dark appearing or that sense of like, Oh, like there's a language. There's actually a way to describe this experience as opposed to it just being a stale narrative of like, Oh, my life's falling apart because however, the upper world, the mundane kind of status quo world is going to define those experiences is different than the interiority and like the soul. And Mm -hmm. I think even just from the evolutionary astrology perspective, when people are going through a plutonic experience, it can be very taboo. Like other people might be like, what are you doing? (laughs) Why are you in this situation? And a person's like, it's karmic. It's my soul, you know? (laughs) Right. Right. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, yeah, <laughs> so much of that. And it's been shifting to where I'm owning like my soul, like in a sense and making space and that being a part of my criticality, like in, in operating within institutions, which I think the tower is like the to- towers are these institutional structures, these reified um, architecture of our psyche. You know, and at some point we need renovation, like at some point we need to just like destroy the colonial internalizations and external institutions. Like I've seen the tower card as the white house burning. Like that is a powerful image, so much power there, right? Like that is like, if you meditate, like, Oh my goodness, like it's, it's a lot. Um, and for the cards to contain this, they are subversive. They are speaking to power in a way that centers spirit in a way that centers the soul, which is a powerful, like we are, I think we're seeing a resurgence of astrology of interest in tarot and divination because we felt so disconnected from the soul for so long per, you know, like capitalist society, if you will. Um, and I think being, being in like right relationship to our divinatory practice is something that we're refining or reweaving in a sense and like needing to, to respect. Right. And so this idea of having a daily relationship with tarot and divination, um, you know, as you're saying that I'm like, that did happen while we were in the course and you did encourage that, but the experience I had was so expansive and kind of world opening. And what I noticed during it was that somehow this time I felt more resource within my environment, within myself, within my community, all of this to, really have like a positive life enhancing relationship with divination. And then I had a few experiences when I was younger where I'd get an omen or a divinatory message and just kind of like without any care or caution, just like full on listen to the message and execute it. And then something disastrous happened. And I was like, oops, I kind of like lost myself and gave all my power away to the message. Mm. And so I've been learning how to balance that. Um, and so I was curious what your thoughts were on like how one can have like a really, like a grounded, as you said, relationship with divination. Mm, wow. Um, absolutely. I think we've, we've all taken, well, I think that's holding space for like a part of the divinatory practice is a sense of humility because we are communing with the divine, like in, right. In the definition of di- like, we are opening ourselves to to the numinous, we're training our perception to see like soul substance and all things and to respect that. Um, and a part of that, I think is like the, what is veiled, like what we can't know, 
and holding space for that, holding space for us to be in the unknown realm and not, um, again, in the fortune telling way where it's like, that's what's going to happen, you know, for sure. Like that's it. There's, um, what the cards and what I feel with divin- divination is, and in the dailiness of it, um, is expanding my, like how they manifest, like expanding, um, the, the scope of my associations, if you will, and seeing how they syncretize. Like sometimes, well, <laughs> and the cards will shake me. Like, it's not just psychological. It's not just interior. Like I always share this. And when I really respected and took serious, my, my cards and my relationship with communing with spirit, like in internally and, and synchronizing the spirit in its diverse manifestations, it is all one. Yes. But there's still the sense of like, you know, your guardians, your guides, or like what have you, your patron deities, um, is when I pulled the tower and my house almost caught on fire. I, w- I woke at three in the morning and we, it was an, it was like an apocalypse, like truly a hellish tower moment scene. And I was like, Whoa, you know, like the, if the cards can tell me about this, like literally intervene in this moment of, and that was not the only card I pulled. I don't have a, I do like a pretty full, full practice. And there was other messages of like comforting, like safety, like assurance to the process. And it was, it was, it was like, wow, okay. I'm really respecting this now. And there always the tower. I mean, it's that like those moments where it's like those hit, right. But these other things where we're sometimes it is in the dream or it's a conversation or it's an image on a show that we're watching or a book that we're reading. And it's like connecting the divinatory space is a soul memory space. And so sometimes memory, as we know, can be loose. We can, it can be up to like, there can be certain interpretations that um, we may be excited about, or I think I always try and hold space and humility for them to come to fruition and manifestation and like holding space for even what I feel about that or what that might mean. Right. And like the cards, they can be an energetic, they can be speaking to those around you. They can speak to, um, like I'll hold certain cards that will encourage me to have a, co- a confronting conversation, you know, or to make space with like, okay, it's challenging right now. They're like, we're only going to give you this much. Like you're only, it's only going to help you to know one, two, what this next step, you know, like it, it would overwhelm you <laughs> to have a whole scope of like what it's all supposed to be. I was just catching that and like feeling that thought too, because Something that I've noticed with divinatory practices, whether it's just my own intuition or visions that I get like from my dreams or like my kind of clairvoyant stuff Mm. is that it will lead me to the next step. And then when this first started happening, once the next step led to all these other things that maybe weren't positive, I was like, why'd you lead me here spirit? (laughs) And I would just keep watching the story continue and be like, Oh, because this is the path. Like it doesn't have to ever be this permanent arrival point. And I find it really interesting where like divination or my spirit will bring me to these situations that are not complete. It's like, this is just one step. And then it opens something, it opens a door and then you keep moving. Mm. Mm, Yeah. There's a deep sense of, I think like vulnerability that can arise when we do rely on our intuition for guidance. And then we're like, Whoa, like that wasn't like, that wasn't pleasant or easy or like these things. Um, And I think that's somewhat of the beauty because of the trust and like there's, there can be with that vulnerability, a deep sense of feeling guided by the universe. 
and, and like developing an unconditional trust within like the soul's knowing and the, like the larger knowing or like the deeper heart knowing, which is like, if I were to tell you, you have to walk through this fire, you know what I mean? Like you probably, you might not do it. So I'm going to say like, it's going <laughs> to, you're going to get something. We're going to make you, we're going to frame this in this way where, in, you know, and you're going to see how resilient you are. Like maybe you wouldn't have fully um, been activated or actualized without the card sort of leading you in that direction, or at least giving you affirmation for when you are in a really period, an intense period of suffering or agony or things like that. Like, um, I find that the cards will be witness to me and like take up space with me and also um, want the best for me. You know, I, I do engage divination in that way where um, there it's all for my best interest. Like it's all for my highest good. Right. And um, they'll keep me in check too. They'll let me know when I may be like, I should put the cards down and like rest or eat or like, um, yeah, I'm anxious pulling or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I actually caught the idea of anxious polling on Twitter. Like someone mm. was talking about how their tarot deck was just no longer enabling them. <laughs> and I find that funny because I, after reading that, it also just kind of cued me into have the self-awareness of, am I coming to the deck from an anxious state of mind and like trying to have the deck soothe me and regulate mm. me or you know, and is that fair to my divination practice? Because mm. I actually do have other tools of self-regulation. Mm. And I've noticed that sometimes the deeper my question, like the more grave the matter at hand, like the more grounded I'll get before asking the question and mm. just like kind of approach, you know, approach the deck in relationship, not with um, a sense of cavalier or like mm. careless energy. Absolutely. Yes. Um, and that also, you know, builds trust. I think it builds trust with me, with myself as well, because it would be kind of like approaching a very respect, like a person that I respect a lot. And it's like, how do I show that respect? Or am I just like showing up with like, you know, mud on my shoes and tracking it all through their house and like not noticing that I did that. Like, that's just an image that came to mind, but a sense of like, um, actually being in relationship with the cards as though they are like alive. Um, I, and well, I think like I kind of talk, spoke around it, but like in the course as well, um, opening this opening a ritual space, you know, like it, we don't need to necessarily be doing tarot as the divination vehicle. It can be scrying, it could be astrology, it could be throwing stones or bones or what have you. Right. Um, but the acknowledgement of the universe, like the acknowledgement of this, of you in a space and a time in a direction and, and doing like the sort of ritual elements so that it's in a clear container, it's in a safe container. It's, um, given the proper respect because of knowing the depth of like illumination that can be channeled you know, and knowing like how deep to the soul, like this community, this act of communication to the soul at a very deep level where there are times where we're, yeah, we're anxious or we're caught up in like the day-to-day -day concerns or these other things, but the divina divination when it's held with respect, I think anchors us, it deepens us. It reminds us of our sort of soul's journey and our soul's destiny, if you will. And it, it gives us the courage and the perspective to meet that destiny um, rather than feeling like, whim to the fates you know what i mean and like oh no it's like oh, oh yeah like i remember who i am at a deep soul level you know when we engage it in that way that's beautiful i really i feel that kind of quality of like life becoming more mythic when in mm. that practice mm. um i want to come back to this exploration of 
like how divination works in terms of like the cosmological perspective that you hold it in? Yes, absolutely. Um, so, you know, red medicine is again, red tarot. That's very much how I'm connecting to the cards. And so in ancient practices, like there's the idea of the metamorphic mind, you know? And so there was thought to be this, there is, there is encoded knowledge in stories and symbols and myth and metaphor. And so these are ways of preserving tradition, but they're not simply a story. If you will, they actually are portals. Like they open up. Um, I teach in the class and, you know, like, or I offer this in the class, like encourage using the cards as a way to induce a trance state. You know, and I've gone through the, I do it with my decks. I do it with certain cards and you can really enter into a world um, and find medicine or find some recalibration, find like fuel, if you will. And so the divinatory space, like within the cards, ancient thought as well as sees them as formulas of thought. And that's how I sort of like to see the cards um, in terms of like any spread that is laid, like the cards that do come are a formula there. There's a, there's a riddle there, if you will, there's a certain order that they, the thought, like it trains the thought process. Like it's helping to form sort of a new neurological pathway for us to receive the divine or for us to find answers, to find solutions. Um, and that is by knowing the cards in relation to each other, by respecting them, by knowing, yes, the systems, um, but also seeing it as like containing spirits, you know, as these cards, which um, can speak to us at a different scope of things. And I think that like my own practice is daily. It's in the morning. It's a part of my morning routine. And it's something where I'm not necessarily asking are pulling like a particular spread. I'm doing it so daily that like they're giving me what I need to be told, like on a regular basis where I'm trusting that implicitly. I'm like, okay, like I'm satisfied. Like I see the soul stage I'm sort of at now I'm seeing when it's curving, when it's spiraling. And then as the cards come together in the fullness, like where I'm pulling the full spread each morning, because I don't just do a daily pull. I do like a 10 card pull, if you will, um, mixing with Oracle cards and the such that, you see the the communication between the cards and between different decks and it become it's like this clear pathway um that the cards can give us as like mini psychopomps like uh, the tarot especially is thought to be like uh, everyone is mercury <laughs> everyone is a psychopomp in a sense like everyone is like this transmutation of mercury guiding us um through a soul journey and so these cards when we know like the decks and when we understand that the decks are related to directions and to elements they then put us into right relationship with space and with time and so they remember a sacredness to explain events in nature they are co-respondent meaning that like um it is like there's the multiple manifestations of like this same energy and when you're able to see the through line you're yes you're you're feeling guided or you're feeling affirmed or you're feeling like trusting and even some sense when it may be catastrophic catastrophe or like challenging or chaotic in a sense. Um, I also see the cards as helping like the cyclical nature of sort of time and engaging like this spiralic soul development process. I um, mean, and the element of sacrifice and regeneration to, to sort of the divinatory practice or knowing like Phil's tell me like, okay, you need to like cleanse the air. You need to do a ritual cleaning or you need to go out and do some yoga or um, you need rest, you know, or you need to work like, but get, get writing or do, you know, in these ways of, um, 
feeding, like offering our energy to the cosmos because there's this, there's this relationship of sacrifice. And I always, again, think of sacrifice as like this sacred act, like this way of being in like a sacred relationship with self, with nature, with time. That was such a beautiful transmission. Like, um, there's a few things that come up, you know, one is like with astrology and people will be curious sometimes about why astrology works, like how it works. And that's a really big question that I think some people want to know in order to even be interested in astrology, which is like Mm -hmm. such a logical mind based, you know, and other people, like, I only wanted to know the answer to that question for the sake of my professionalism, you know, Mm. like if someone were to ask me that question, I wanted to have an answer Mm. and I didn't rush it. But basically what I eventually came to was that we live in this fractal universe where, you know, I don't prescribe to this idea that the planets are emitting rays that are like getting into our DNA and making us do things. Like, I don't think it's causal. Mm. I think that it's correlative, Mm. like that there's a, this like sacred mirror, like we live in this reality where things are, are offering reflection everywhere. And so it just so happens that like, you know, once we know what the bodies relate to and like understand the system, like it's giving us a mirror. And then because we have the calculated, you know, capacity to look in the future and know where the planets are going to be, we get to anticipate the future that way. So there's this relationship that we have with that. And then when I think about approaching a deck, there's this process of shuffling it and feeling into the true moment of like the cards feel ready and like laying out the spread. And it's just like that perfect kind of reflection of that moment in time and that tarot and like literally just like shuffling the cards and like pulling cards more often showed me that tarot is like, to me, like this very, it's like a microcosm of the patterns that I'm used to observing in terms of like the planets. Um, and yet it's, um, it's more related. And you were saying this earlier, so this is sparking my thought, but there's something personal about tarot, like as compared to astrology, like astrology is still very personal, but it's Mm -hmm. like the same sky for all of us. Mm -hmm. Whereas we're the ones personally shuffling a deck, Mm -hmm. um, and pulling the cards. Absolutely. That's, uh, yeah, that's lighting so much up. Um, I, I see them both like as the, the sort of like left and right side of like Hermes, if, in, a, in a sense, like the, the divinatory gifts of astrology and tarot and like the macro and the micro and seeing them go hand in hand. Um, and I think that the more that we do attune to these systems, that they become alive and they're not these rigid structures, but they give us more space to like dance and like, um, move in a, like move in harmony, if you will. But the, the cards as a personal, like they are very intimate because I think like the transits may speak to a nature and you may hear everyone, all of the astrologers online, our community sort of reading it in a, in a dominant manner, like the dominant reading of anything. Um, not in a power way necessarily. It is, there's power there. There's hegemony there. There is like a common interpretation, if you will. But then the cards, I think I have a deeper, more intimate relationship with because they give me insight on to, to how to navigate it. Like, okay, it might be raining astrologically, if you will, 
right? But like, bitch, you love the rain. You know what I mean? Or something like that. Or like, or like that perfect. Like you needed a rain moment. Like you are, you know what I mean? Or like you needed some fire, like how to, how I'm going to relate. The cards help me come to a relationship with the larger transits, like in my own agency of how to respond or like what it might mean for me on a deeper level in a way that is not just like the surface manifestation, but like um, a part of a soul development. Mm. And I think div- like the metamorphic mind is like some, it's as you were saying, it's not the end result with divination where, I mean, we get omens, we see things, the cards will tell you. And that's when I get even like, I'll, I, I have my soul longings, you know, I have my deep soul longings and I'm not asking the cards about that every day, because if you ask the cards about the same thing, like you're exchanging, um, you're exchanging the information and you're doubting it. And so there's a level like that's what, like take that, like sit with it, like be with it for a sense. And the more that you like, ah, that's not what I want to hear, you know, or tell me something else. So the, the, you're taking power away, right? You're like, okay, well, I don't believe you then. So then it just sort of distorts the system. Um, but by engaging divination, divination regularly, we, we change our mind into this metamorphic mind. Whereas you're saying there are these fractals and these reflections. And I see this within every reading I get or offer to others where it's like, we we're seeing this soul, but every reading, like there's a new intonation, there's a new emphasis. There might be a new word. Like we're reading the same thing, but it's sort of like this polishing that gives, um, space and gives like, a an expansion to our self-understanding that gives voice to what has been an ineffable for so long in a sense. And the metamorphic mind will divination and the cards, they pull, they, they resource us, as you were saying, you know, they, they pull upon the images we're watching, the media we've read, the stories we've been told, um, they pull on all of that. And so like very much in my reading style, I'm always like shifting in terms of like my metaphor, the images that come to mind or like a movie or a song or a mythic story or, you know, or what have you. And they are all aligned in the same sort of energy, if you will. Um, But somehow in the transportation, we, there's movement, you know, and I think the metamorphic mind moves us towards something greater. I, I love this phrase metamorphic mind. Like I really, that's, I think going to impress on my mind for some time. (laughs) And something that you said too touched me about neural pathways Mm -hmm. and that creating like in our vessel, this capacity to receive like cosmic messages. Mm -hmm. And I appreciate that because I think that, um, I felt the blend there between like, say like the science of the brain or like the science of our anatomy and spirit, as opposed to when those are split, And someone wants to rationalize astrology or tarot and say, well, it just, you know, opens up parts of our subconscious. And there's a kind of explaining away of the magic because, oh, it's just the brain doing something. And I resist that, or I just, I don't resonate with that. And I find that, um, the more that I contemplate like neural pathways, I really do see them as these like streams of energy And that when we have habituated neural pathways, we kind of have our mental habits. And that's like the little place that spirit has to give us things. But when we create new neural pathways, we become receptive for new messages and like 
new pathways in reality too. Like even just when we think lightly, you know, wouldn't it be nice if I got an invite to speak at a conference? And then two days later, I get an invite to speak at a conference. And I feel like there's a connection between that just light pondering, you know? Um, And so similarly with like the tarot and just like pulling a card of like, what's going to be the theme for today. It's like opening up a neural pathway and then opening up that experience. But I just... I loved that you dropped that in, in a completely numinous way. Like, yes, neural pathways and also magic <laughs> at the same time. Like, absolutely. Like fully, fully. Um, <laughs> it's making me think of like those movies where the brain is like fully turned on, you know, and it's like a super like avatar state, basically. Um, as you're speaking as well with the word and with the neural pathways, it's making me think of the cards as the word again. And I, I mean, I have... <laughs> a lot like on the the nodes, you know, the Gemini Sag aspect and what have you. And I, and these cards as symbols, like as images, but as the word where the cards help us put together new sentences. They help us read and and say new things about ourselves or about the world. Um, They speak to us in new ways. They teach us to listen in new ways. And there's a way that the word is generative, as you were saying. And I, and I know we were speaking about this with like the mutability and the magic of mutability and it's like the veiling, I think of like we go and, you know, who are the, who are the diviners in the tarot? Like obviously the magician, the high priestess, like the hierophant are big ones that are coming to mind. Right. In terms of like, they know the system, they know the structure, they know how to do it on the regular. Um, and the, the veiling, well, like as we deepen into this practice, more is unveiled. Like there's an infinite veil, obviously, but, um, it becomes generative the word where like all of a sudden all of this realm of potentiality all of this inspiration all of this like that can only be born through the envisioning of it and so i think the cards in this way remind us of that capacity like they they bring us a memory of like soul history and soul traveling from various cultures from various traditions our personal histories um and then in bringing that into the present like it's this meeting point in the divinatory space of like past present and future that by coming in a conscious sort of manner or in a lucid manner in this, it is conscious, but it's not like this hard consciousness, you know, in the logical perhaps way, there is like a, a transitionary space that the mind, the metamorphic mind, right. Um, where we can, I think meet our destiny. And I was, and I do reflect on the difference between like fate and destiny, you know, and like determining our destiny, like, okay, this is what is fate. This is what the cards have for you. But like you still have the hand to respond and to be an agent of change or an agent of like, what this is going to mean for you? So how do you like relate to that then with readings where it's like, ouch, like this is not what you want to hear? Like, how do you work with those kinds of readings? Oh, yeah, those readings. Um, well, I say all of the cards do have medicine. And I and I know like some readers have a tendency to soften some hard cards or like sweeten them or what have you. And I'm like, sometimes I got to be bitter, you know, yeah, you're too Scorpio. <laughs> <laughs> got to include the stinger. I'm like, mm, you know, it's like the, the, the cure in the, in the, med- in the, pig- in the poison, right? Like there's that whole alchemy process. Um, and so I'm not afraid of that. I, I mean, I might be a little bit afraid, but at least I'm, I try and summon the courage for challenging moments. And often I find like a greater resiliency through them. Like these, this thing that I feared or this like chaos or what have you, and at least knowing the cards and they don't, 
sometimes it is pretty, you know, sometimes it is speaking to my internal nature being like burnt out or bordering on depression or something like that, or like entering into the unknown and, and all of those things. Um, but at the same, but I see each, this is why I appreciate a daily practice, at least personally, um, because I see each day, like energy being able to shift within the day. If I sort of meet and go through those fires that have been presented. And so, you know, I see, we share this in the course and we share like our daily pulls in the course and what have you, and like give each other feedback and I'll love because I'll say, I'll pull the moon or I'll pull like these parts in the journey. And then I'll, I'm like, okay, like it might be challenging. Like I'm not going to soften. I'm going to say that some experience is not there, but I'm not going to resist it necessarily. Like if this is where I need to lean into, then I'm going to do that. And then the next day it'll be like, there'll be a clearing. There'll be an energy moving. I'll be in the sun. And, and that will happen often where um, you can gauge energy as well with the cards. Like they'll tell you how you're moving in what direction. And so like, I've been pulling the Ace of Cups a lot, which has been really, really nice. And there's also been other challenging cards. And so I see it as like, nap, like maintaining a sacredness, even through a shifting mental paradigm. A lot of stories have been coming up. Um, and I think like, yeah, with challenging readings, sometimes it is the scope. Sometimes it is just like, this is an, a challenging period, like the Saturn return or what ha- our COVID or lockdown, like there's just no other way around it. And so how can we, um, yeah, resource ourselves, but also use the cards to summon a spirit that endures like through those points rather than becoming helplessness or like hopeless or something like that. Wow. Yeah. That, um, it's kind of reminding me of the, the week period, like the span of a week where I was pulling the four of pentacles a lot, Mm. like even in like multiple decks. Mm. And so the way that, you know, I was relating to that card was, it was kind of like about holding on to resources. Mm. And I couldn't tell if the message was, to hold on to resources and to preserve and to conserve or whether I was holding on too tightly and I needed to like be more generous Mm -hmm. and just holding that, um, you know, like the card disturbed me enough and like disturbed, you know, it was just like, what does this mean? You know, Mm -hmm. to like kind of bring awareness to moments throughout the day where I was feeling that sense of contraction around, should I conserve my energy or should I give, Mm. And it helped me just to become more self-aware and make certain choices that I wouldn't have made otherwise due Mm. to the enhanced reflection on it. Um, And I find that even with astrological delineations, like um, I remember reading something one time, like, you know, or it's happened a lot. I'll just read delineations that are disturbing to read. And I'm like, I don't want this to be true about me, but then I see where it is Mm. and it inspires me to um, kind of excavate that material and then make different choices, um, or find a way to more fully own the the delineation too. Like Mm if, if it's true, you know, what's the octave of it that's meaningful, um, or actually has a deeper purpose. But I think that some of this, you know, the resilience and the endurance, like this is like, you know, you're Scorpio and like this, like Martian, you know, in traditional astrology, Scorpio being ruled by Mars. And we're talking emotional courage here. Like mm-hmm. the courage to be in the divinatory space is to face oneself, to face mm-hmm. one's deep psyche and to like, you know, and I've noticed too, there have been moments where I have a question and I, I'm honest with myself about my limitations about, do I want the answer to this mm-hmm. question right now? And if the answer is no, I'm not going to, mm-hmm. 
do divination on it. And I feel like that's actually like one of the virtues of Mars too, is like, it is courage. And it's also knowing our limits because mm. Mars can just go too hard and like, you know, full steam ahead kind of thing. But I think yeah. that when we're like really honest with ourselves and we're approaching, you know, uh, divination as real, not just something that we're fooling around with, but we mm. see the value in it that we know what we're signing up for. And when we're truly like a yes, and we're ready for that, it's also about facing what the cards show us um, and taking that information in, however that affects and moves us. Wow. That was so amazing. That was so well articulated and encapsulated. Like that's so, that was profound. That's um, <laughs> as you're speaking, you're making me think of what it is to channel and what it is to like be in the divinatory space where it's messages will come through that are like, yes, connected to you and through you, but it's also somewhat of like the judgment energy card where it's like some soul channel coming opening. Um, I love what you're saying about the, the four pentacles coming up and like these cards that are repeater cards and, and it, the divinatory practice to, again, in the new neural pathways, we're going somewhere that has not been forged. And so it brings us to this like brink edge where we're in a state of contemplation of divine contemplation, right? of soul contemplation, looking to the material, looking to these outward, looking to our actions, looking to our conversations, like where the card then inspires greater reflection and greater care with how we're handling ourselves in our, in our relationships. And I think that is the medicine of the card where it's like, yeah, maybe you needed a little bit of medicine. You needed that medicine. You needed to be like, they say, you know, with native people, it's like, go with the bear people, go with the beavers, go over there with the tree people. Like you need to go and listen with them. Like you need to, just go over there. Right. And like be in their energy. And I think that's somewhat of how the cards will show up as well. Like maybe there isn't a fixed point or solution or where, but being in the state of contemplation of it enhances us or it um, gives us greater care to our choices. Like you're saying, like, um, and, and I just think that's like, I encourage that, right. Rather than living unconsciously or perhaps doing something, spending energy or withholding energy, what have you it's like okay where is the medicine in this where's the challenge in this like where how can i shift my perception of this or have a, a deepened image of this and that's why the the ongoing relationship with the cards are like never ending because they're constantly presenting like you to excavate depth or to excavate meaning from your day from your from your world <laughs> yeah i love that connection too with like the going to talk with the beavers and the trees and like, you just need to like talk with them and see what comes up. Like, and just that kind of, um, divination being everywhere, um, with like animal messengers as well. Um, and talking to plants and then the omens and yeah, the messages that just come up in the field or in our dreams. Um, absolutely. I, this is why I like the tarot because bef without it, every like I feel like I was just in that field with no sort of anchor, if you will, you know. And that's why I like offering the tarot as well because I think it's just like there's a really potent astrology too, um, but and whatever form. But it's it's such um, a, a artful way to gain a grounding in divination. And absolutely, though, like when you don't like, we don't necessarily need the cards. Like the cards are this like screen image where we can project the soul or like spirit can project onto like the planets can project onto, right. And come to us, but it should encourage us to extend this sort of perception that we're give like we're gaining in the cards towards everything, like towards 
conversation towards the air, towards the the birds, you know, and I have, I have crow, like I'm deeply tied to crows, like into ravens and like very Saturnian, obviously very like this death energy, but I feel very protected with them. Like I, they've guided me home. Like there's been time where my phone has not worked and I'm like, I need to like, I'm like in the car right now, literally like spirit, please tell me like what turn to make. And like, they appeared and they've guided me home. Like it's been, that's amazing. (laughs) And it's, it's something I do respect and try and hand and communicate with care as well. Um, And I think that's a part of the, like the knowledge of the high priestess of like, what is not a secret because of shame or what have you, but for protection and for like respect. And now I'm thinking of the higher font card um, from the Afro, from the Afro avatar. hero. (laughs) (laughs) And like, you know, you're laughing because you know, and it's, (laughs) it's that kind of energy as well, where it's like this, this, this is sacred knowledge. Right. And so, um, yeah, there's a level. Yeah, of for the listeners, for it's that card has pictured this owl that guards a library in the Avatar, the last Airbender show. And he doesn't really let people into the library. The birds like um, you're just going to use this knowledge like all humans do to create war and destroy other humans and get an advantage. So you're not welcome here. <laughs> and I feel like that energy yeah, for that card is just like. There's some sacred knowledge here, but you only have access to it if you're actually going to wield it responsibly. And then, and then in like an animistic sort of worldview, like where it's not like this human superiority in a sense, like, you know, it's like, I think divination can bring us back into the natural world, back into like, oh, everything can speak. Like these cards are speaking, like, you know, these cards have energy, like these cards especially with they can, like with indie decks or just any deck on it but there's like you feel the soul energy within the cards like and meditating on them um i say this in class too like there'd be no reason to have multiple decks if they were all the same you know if it was just like once there is a system but the art is like that's you got that high priestess for a reason right like there's this like you're getting that one image you know they offer us this sort of one image and pay attention to it, like give respect to like the art and that, and again, in that artful contemplation, it becomes divine. Yeah. And you were also just, you know, pointing to this way that reality and like the, the spirits and, and whatnot, they're giving us information based on our level of like respect and relationship. Mm -hmm. And there's um, a passage in cosmos and psyche called the parable of the two suitors, Um, do you know that one? No, I don't. Please stop. Please tell me more. Um, you know, it's a bit, it's a bit of a read, so maybe I'll read it at the end, but, um, uh, the short of it is just kind of like, imagine approaching the universe as like these two suitors. And one of the suitors is like basically arrogant, thinks that they're better, that they already know everything. And they only want to get to know the universe in order to extract Mm. and use the universe to their benefit versus the suitor who sees the universe as as intelligent if not more intelligent than them and wants to get to know them in order for like deeper union and creative like collaboration and i find that reality really does um treat us differently depending on our relationship you know with everything and i animals will you know be a great reflection of that too where it's like they're not just they don't treat everyone the same, like Mm. people who have a way with animals. It's like, there's a, a relationship there. Um, and Mm. similarly, like, yeah, like the crows, like (laughs) guiding you home. Like that's not just 
something that happens <laughs> to everyone is <laughs> like a certain way that that's like, yeah, that's part of reality. And there's a, a way of approaching reality in order to be shown those things. And I think that that's kind of um, maybe a little bit, you know, and I can just speak personally, like the maddening side of like encountering people who are super skeptical about these things. It's like, well, yeah, because you're skeptical, like the universe is not going to dazzle you with all of, you know, their glory. Right. Like, <laughs> just like not going to show you what's behind the veil. If you're over there scowling or something, you know what I mean? Like you got to like bring honey and bring these like offerings to the teachers, to the oracles, as you were saying before, like you can't come in here with muddied feet. Expect a revelation, like no honey. Like, we're gonna give you some power, you know. We're gonna humble that ass a little bit. Some like, something like that, like that'll happen. And I love this two suitors Im imagery. Like, um, that's just that's a big, that's a that's like really deep. That hits really deep for me. Um, just in terms of my own, like at a core level. And I think like so much to it. And I see there's so much, so many people in divination engaging divination um and yet it can still be from an extractive sort of deeply internalized like colonial relationship to the land and to spirit where it's like when's this gonna happen you know like okay everything's gonna get better once this hits this right once this transit gets this and it's like you don't necessarily know it. like are you are you doing the internal interior work to be able to receive that or to alleviate that or like how can you be centered even in the midst of intense struggle or what have you right and like the value there and it feels like just wanting to skip past some necessary lessons that i think misses the point and again it gets very extractive of like when's my love coming and like we have our wins whatever happened to happen right and as you were saying before with the like the respect of knowing what to ask and what not to ask that is so huge and i often find again that like if we are showing up in, our, in, a real, in a way of just wanting to know, to be closer to the divine, like, yes, to ask, how can I show up each day? Or like, what will this day present me? Like, that's a, that's a big enough, like humble enough ask. And they will tell you, like they will, information will be presented when you are ready or when it is time, if you will. And they'll be like prepping you like, all right, you know, and then it, it's almost more like, I've been feeling the greater challenge um, in positive omens coming. And in like the trust there, you know, when the challenge there, it's not like freak out and like wanting no more and just like stay calm and stay and stay steady, if you will, and like let it unfold numinously as it will. Um, and so I think that's like something new because like just to work with the relationships with any divinatory practice over an extended period of time over years, you begin to see a collective and personal cycles like shift, like you can move through cycles. Um, and sometimes the cards will be speaking to like this, again, this big period you're in daily. It's not always like boom, doom, doom and gloom, you know, but, but you will know like, well, in that period of months or that year or what have you, I was like, oh, I see what the cards are talking about overall. Right. Um, yeah. And so when they're shifting, I'm like, what is this? Okay. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I love that I you bring that in. Yeah. Because that, that practice of like receptivity toward good things is so vulnerable. Yeah. <laughs> um, especially if we know if we're Martians and we know how to fight <laughs> and get through the hard times and endure, you know, there's a special tenderness of like, Oh, things are good. Like, cause there's the, 
the fear of all that that opens up. But then I suppose if the cards are continually initiating you and kind of nudging you in that direction. And this is something I really felt that um, comes through in the way that you teach is that you are living it. Like you have this daily relationship. And I think even the way that you like design, you know, your life decisions or like what you lean into, there's like a divinatory um, energy behind that. And so I feel like that just really comes through like um, in the way that you teach because you have built that relationship. Um, But it's also like, I just felt while being in your class, like, this is so cool. This is so special because this is really um, like a very deep well that you're drawing from. And it's a very lived like experience and connection that you're drawing from. And I think that that really created a deep invitation to, um, you know, not just learn the tarot in that period of time during the class, but to like have that be a literal threshold of like, okay, like from now on, I get to relate to the tarot in this much deeper way and have this attunement to like keep expanding my relationship with it. Um, so that's, thank you. Um, yeah, thank you so much. I think part of my pedagogy or practice as a teacher is just centered on the idea that like you can't give someone freedom, you know, and, and like with English and with the course, I'm like, if you give people literacy and you en- enable them to read the world for themselves, you enable them to read the car. And yes, the world, like in literal literacy, like increase, like increasing literacy. Right. Um, but developing like an intuitive psychic literacy where we can read our own souls process. Like that was that being a teacher in this way is so gratifying and so fulfilling. And I'd be like, so charged up after, um, each class because, and I enjoy the reading. Don't get me wrong. Like I enjoy being a counselor in that way, but I'd rather (laughs) you sit there with the cards and like get feedback from me and like work it out for yourself. And, and, and my students come to voice, my students experience what it is to, to have prophecy and to like come through with the message. And I think that the cards, like, that's what I hope every student would take away is like the experience that you'd have in terms of, um, knowing how to relate to the cards in a way where they touch upon like this deep knowing, you know, that like shakes you, rattles you. Um, and, and then like make it an embodied way. Yeah. So how can people like get on board for the next one? <laughs> yes, absolutely. Um, so the next course is, well, the registration is opened on Friday, um, November 25th and we'll begin the, the next cohort for the top of the year will begin January 13th, um, on Thursdays at four. So I'm moving the days to Jupiter's day. Um, a little bit earlier, we'd often go over, um, it is, there is lecture and seminar. And so basically like you have the pre-recorded lectures talking about all the cards. And then we have weekly seminar, weekly live seminar, where we are talking about the material. We're in a mutual contemplation, but we're also applying, um, the skills, like how to, how to conduct a reading, like reversals, bottom of the deck. Like we're getting feedback in the moment. We're tuning in the moment through this communal exchange. Um, there is a flat rate, but there is scholarship availability. And so I'm really committed to accessibility. And so at the same time, like honoring like the deep investment, you know, of my years of 
teaching and training and like all of these things and my embodied practice in it, but also like the investment of those who really want to show up with like a desire to learn and gain a tool for um, just a really like a deeper relationship to their soul that will extend beyond the course that will be um, an aid for them through all of life's challenges and like growth processes and, and, um, and then also like gaining, I like to say a library card, you know, to my higher font sort of protected guarded library. It's like, you know, as a student, like I'm always so grateful for my, my student teacher sort of relationships. Um, and so, yeah, I think that's it. It's an 11 week course. It's about three months. Um, everything's recorded. You get lifetime access. Um, it goes deep, but I, I think it go deeper. I'm going to be making like a new, an advanced level course. Um, so also stay tuned for that. It is such a deep experience. When you talked about like an advanced course, I like laughed a little bit. I was like, it's already so deep. And I also get it. Like, I really get that when you like give yourself to a practice for years every day that you are just going to keep going deeper and that these things are literally infinite. So I'm so excited that you're doing that. And I just feel like um, this course is such an amazing opportunity um, and was such a like transformative and foundational thing for me mm. and it came at the perfect time so i'm just so grateful for you and your teachings um and just like the magic that you channel that's like you know really connecting people with a very vast field um while you're like getting so deep um and so intricate about these messages um is there like, how else can people like work with you, get in touch with you, follow you? Absolutely. Um, it is the redread.com. That's like my website. And so like I have workshops on there where I'm sort of doing uh, mini monthly workshops for the decans of the tarot, doing a deccan walk, but through the tarot. Um, so if you want to learn in like bite-sized ways, you can get a reading from me as well. I do astrology and tarot readings, mixing both, like it can be combined or one of the modalities. I um, mean, it is the red, like the color R E D and then read R E A D the red read on Instagram, um, as well. And those are really my main offerings in terms of a reading my course, and then like, um, pre-recorded lectures or workshops or what have you, um, for now. Yeah. And I, it's been again, like an honor to hold space with you and to, to just receive your wisdom as well, because and this is something I encourage within my students want to strengthen is like how deep our own wells are and like pull that out, you know, like I'm getting an image of this for some reason, like say it, like, I'm always like, yes, go there, you know, like do, do that. Um, and your richness is conveyed. And so again, thank you for this opportunity and thank you for your time. Oh, thank you. And yeah, I feel like just naming those images that are coming up is like, uh, clairvoyancy. Um, and I remember first hearing like a psychic, just tell me that concept because mm. people doubt, like, they're like, how do I know if I'm psychic? And like, people are mm. learning how to trust themselves. And it's mm. like, you're literally getting images dropping into your consciousness. Just say them and see what people think, you know? Absolutely. <laughs> so, absolutely. absolutely. Um, but this has been so fun talking to you about this. Thank you for joining me and for everyone listening, go follow Chris and check out the course. Um, you will be amazed and like shook in the best way. <laughs> so thank you so much. Thank you. Bye everyone. 
close us out with the passage from Rick Tarna's Cosmos and Psyche titled Two Suitors, A Parable. Imagine for a moment that you are the universe, but for the purposes of this thought experiment, let us imagine that you are not the disenchanted mechanistic universe of conventional modern cosmology, but rather a deep-souled, subtly mysterious cosmos of great spiritual beauty and creative intelligence. And imagine that you are being approached by two different epistemologies, two suitors, as it were, who seek to know you. To whom would you open your deepest secrets? To which approach would you be most likely to reveal your authentic nature? Would you open most deeply to the suitor, the epistemology, the way of knowing, who approached you as though you were essentially lacking in intelligence or purpose, as though you had no interior dimension to speak of, no spiritual capacity or value, who thus saw you as fundamentally inferior to himself? Let us give the two suitors, not entirely arbitrarily, the traditional masculine gender who related to you as though your existence were valuable primarily to the extent that he could develop and exploit your resources to satisfy his various needs, and whose motivation for knowing you was ultimately driven by a desire for increased intellectual mastery, predictive certainty, and efficient control over you for his own self-enhancement. Or would you, the cosmos, open yourself most deeply to that suitor who viewed you as being at least as intelligent and noble, as worthy a being, as permeated with mind and soul, as imbued with moral aspiration and purpose, as endowed with spiritual depths and mystery as he? This suitor seeks to know you not that he might better exploit you, but rather to unite with you and thereby bring forth something new, a creative synthesis emerging from both of your depths. He desires to liberate that, that which has been hidden by the separation between knower and known. His ultimate goal of knowledge is not increased mastery, prediction, and control, but rather a more richly responsive and empowered participation in a co-creative unfolding of new realities. He seeks an intellectual fulfillment that is intimately linked with imaginative vision, moral transformation, empathic understanding, aesthetic delight. His act of knowledge is essentially an act of love and intelligence combined, of wonder as well as discernment, of opening to a process of mutual discovery. To whom would you be more likely to reveal your deepest truths? 